Hi, I'm Pastor Torin Brooks, and welcome to Faith Christian Church. So glad you decided to join us today. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be looking through God's Word and finding ways for it to apply to our lives today. Hope you enjoy this morning's sermon. We're going to be talking this morning about Philip, who is one of the, the 12, and he finds himself on a barren, dusty, nearly abandoned road to Gaza. And he's asking himself, why, why am I here? Because you see, he's on a road no one uses much anymore. It's a desert road. It's a dry, just arid road. There's, there's little to no water. There's, there's these areas of just, under, under, just unbelievable heat. And this is not nice that God did this to Philip. You say, Pastor, God never did that to Philip. Yeah, he did. I want to read from you from Acts chapter 8 this morning. And I want to talk to you about this almost mean-spirited thing that God did to Philip. You say, well, God's not mean-spirited. Well, hold on a minute. You don't know the story. Now listen uh, to uh, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse number 4. It says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things which were spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Wow. Here, here, is a young, here is a young man who has been with Jesus, and he's now been at the, at, the, at, the, um, at the day of Pentecost, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And they had to run because they're running because in Jerusalem they've killed Stephen. They have, uh, they have stoned him to death, and now everyone is scattering. And Philip goes to the city of Samaria, and he goes up there, and something dramatic happens. Everybody listens. Now, if you don't think that's dramatic, you ought to try preaching downtown in Springfield or Bellows Falls. You'll be lucky if you can get two or three people to get your attention. But the Bible said that when Philip went down to Samaria, the whole town, that's what it says, in one accord. How many of you know that was, that was the same phrase they used back on the day of Pentecost? It said that they were all in one mind and one accord. In one accord, the whole town listened. Well, that's pretty amazing. The last time the whole town listened was back when John the Baptist was down at the River Jordan in the whole city of Jerusalem and one day came out to hear him preach. Now, when you look at this, you start to find that everything is going good for Philip. Listen, there's no persecution in Samaria. Are you, are you hearing me this morning? There's no persecution in Samaria. Everywhere he's going, he's laying hands on the sick and whoop, there they go, they're up, they're raised. There are people that were paralyzed, that are being healed. And listen, the demons are having a heyday, running for their lives, because everywhere he goes, they seem to be running away. If there ever was a place to leave persecution and go to, it's Samaria. Everybody's listening. Even, even Simon the sorcerer comes to believe in Jesus during this time because of everything that's going on. And listen... Peter and John are sent down to Samaria, up to Samaria because everybody's like, hey, we, we won't in on this. This is great. 
Everybody wants to be a part of this revival. It reminds me of years past, you know. You'll be sitting around listening to, to the news, and you hear about revivals down in Florida, revivals up in Canada. And it just seems like everybody wants to run to revival because that's a great place to be. Again, there's no persecution where this is taking place. People are being healed. It's as if God said, all right, we're, we're skipping Judea. Okay, hold on. And you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. Yeah, I got that right. So it seems like he went from Jerusalem, <laughs> skips Judea, goes to Samaria, and all these Samaritans are just like, Woo! Jesus! Go Jesus! Yeah, and it's all excitement. And the Bible said, and there was great joy in the city. Now listen, in times past, Samaria was not a city of great joy. In times past, Samaria would be a city of, of great despair. It would be a, a, a city of, of, of just horrible, horrible atrocities. And yet now, joy has come because Jesus has come. You do realize that where he is, in his presence, the Bible says there's fullness of joy. I hope you realize that this morning. Jesus, the Spirit is there. Things are going great. And Philip is leading the charge of preaching and, and healing and miracles. Now, we don't know what other miracles besides healing they did, but uh, something must have gone great for everybody to be so happy around Philip. Well, right in the middle of all this, we have the story of Simon the Sorcerer, but I want to skip that and go down to verse 26 uh, of chapter 8 because all of a sudden in the middle of this wonderful, great outpouring of God, an angel comes up to Philip and says, it's time to go. That's what he says. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now, by the way, that word desert in Greek is not just desert as far as dry, arid land. It's desert as in dry, arid, deserted, half torn up, not used anymore road because they had moved uh, several years before and around, I think it was 53 BC, the city of Gaza was destroyed and they had moved the city and the road closer to the shore and the old road which was just deserted and dry and desert and never was used much except for people who were going further south than Gaza and so you have the angel and he tells him hey I want you to leave this wonderful revival and go to where nobody is now if you're Philip God's man of faith and power and being used mightily of the Holy Spirit You've got to wonder if this angel's really a demon. This has got to be a gross misinterpretation of the will of God because why would God move me from revival to desert? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God would take this man full of faith who's doing miracles, signs, and wonders and take him to where nobody is. Besides, going that road means i got to go right back through persecuted Jerusalem. And then I only go through persecuted Jerusalem, but then I've got to sneak through Jerusalem and then head to the desert place where nobody's at. What is God thinking? God had, did not have his Wheaties this morning. 
God gave permission to this angel before his third cup of coffee. Something is out of whack here. What Philip did not know, and we have the privilege of knowing, is that God had a plan. Because there was one person that needed him. The next verse says, So he arose and went, and behold. <laughs> now, now, I don't know if you've been catching this or not, but if you're one of the Wednesday night crowd who comes to Bible study, you know that the word behold is a word for you to charge up your imagination. You're to use your brain and picture what this looks like in your mind. Somewhere after Philip had gotten past Jerusalem and gone on into the desert area. He's sitting there, and behold, here's Philip. He's walking, and behold, he sees someone. Now, this is kind of fabulous because this isn't just kind of a, a spur-of-the-moment passing of travelers because this man he sees is not any ordinary man. The Bible says, and behold, a man from Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury. See, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, I find this story just fascinating for a couple of reasons. One, it's not the first time someone has come from that part of the country to come see one of the sons of David. It's true. Not too many centuries before, another envoy of people would come from the south, hearing of the wisdom of the son of David. Now, I don't know if this Ethiopian eunuch knew of Jesus or not, but even the astrologers of the Magi of the day knew that a king had been born. They had come to worship. We don't know why he was coming to worship. All we know is that this man was not alone. He couldn't have been alone because you don't send the person in charge of the entire treasury of Ethiopia by themselves to Jerusalem. And these people weren't short. These people were people of statute. They were tall. They were large. So for Philip walking on the road by himself to hear a convoy of people showing up, I imagine for a moment he thought to himself, I might be in trouble. <laughs> Not only are these people following me from Jerusalem, but, but these, this, is a, this is a crowd of people. I could be taken slave. I could be taken captive. And this person is of some importance. The Bible said of great importance. Listen, I'm telling you, this must have been a sight to see. Here's poor Philip walking at the at the uh, request of an angel on a dry, desert, barren road, suddenly caught up to by a caravan of people riding in chariot, and, and all of a sudden, this is what happens. He says that, the, that they were returning, and he was sitting, talking about the Ethiopian, was sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. Wow. Now hold on a minute. This is special. Not everybody gets to walk out of the walk out of the, the holy city with a copy of Isaiah. 
something, something different was going on. Something special was going on. Whether this, whether this uh, uh, eunuch had bought his own scroll or whether he had, he had uh, purchased just a book or whatever it was, there was something special. And this guy just happened to be reading the prophet Isaiah. And I love this. And so what happens is uh, uh, the Spirit says to Philip. Now first, God, God sent an angel. And I can imagine Philip now is shaking in his boots. And right at the moment of wondering what's about to happen, the Spirit of God says, Now I want you to go and overtake the chariot. Now listen, I don't know about you, but you don't just run up on a, on a state official's car. Do you know what would happen to you if the President of the United States was driving down the road and you decided you were going to up and overtake the car? Bad things. Bad things. We think that's funny, but, but here's Philip. And the Spirit of God says, you don't, understand, you don't understand what's going on, but I understand what's going on. You need to overtake that chariot. Philip, he's already had his friend Stephen killed. He's not looking to be killed or be enslaved. He's just come from a great revival. And he's probably saying to himself, God, what are you thinking? I did not come here to be thrown in a pit. I'm not Joseph. <laughs> I did not come here to die. I'm doing good. There are people waiting to sign me up on their speaking engagement list in Samaria. And you bring me here. You better know... No. Now, if I was Philip, I'd have said, Lord, you better know what you're doing. <laughs> the angel that spoke to me better be standing beside me when I go up to, you know, I would have wanted something. But the Bible said that Philip ran to him. Verse 30, and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And then Philip goes, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, how can I unless someone guides me? Wow. Not only has this man come from a long distance, not only is he reading Isaiah, but he's asking for help. Hungry to know what he's reading. I find it funny. He asked Philip to come and sit with him in the chariot. Now there's all these other people around him. And he asked the one guy, listen, you know, Mama told you not to pick up hitchhikers. But this guy not only overruns the chariot, but the guy invites him to come sit in the chariot with him says, in the place, I love this, the scripture is very clear on this. It says, the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was a lamb, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? And the Bible said, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Wow. Now, you know, sometimes as, as, as a pastor, you know, we work hard at, at ministering to people and trying to lead people to the Lord and lead people to decision. Philip, Philip didn't have to do any work. You know, when, when Philip got to heaven, he didn't get to count that as credit for anything he did. 
I mean, every step of the way, this guy was hungry. He wanted interpretation. He wanted to know. And he just so happened the Spirit of God who was leading Philip was also leading the eunuch to turn to the right page. And at that moment, Philip said, I know the answer to all the questions you've been asking. And he said at that moment, started preaching Jesus. I love that because we don't know how many times when the Spirit of God is speaking to us, how many times the Spirit of God is leading others. See, there's a reason God moved Philip from revival and joy to desert and barrenness because God knew there was one person who needed him. See, I don't think we realize how much God values our lives. I don't think we realize how much God really does love us. Time after time, He shows His mercy to us, but we take His mercy as something we think is guaranteed to us because He's a loving God. No, we should never take His mercy for granted. We should never take His love for granted. Although His love never fails and it never changes, the, problem, the thing we get used to is the fact we just feel like His love is something we can walk on. Here in this verse, you find this man of God who is obedient to God and, and is following after God does not have an idea why he has to come to such a horrible, barren, dry place. But when I can tell you right now, when the Ethiopian eunuch started asking the questions, immediately, I bet you Philip understood the reason. You want to know why Philip is where he is, where he's at? Because somebody needs him. And God has picked Philip to meet the need. Can I tell you, sometimes we don't understand why we are in the place we are in our lives. Why God would take us from one place to the next. Why God would move us from joy to some kind of questionable place in our lives. Can I tell you, I know the reason. Because somebody needs you this morning. It's no coincidence that God places us in, around people in our lives that, are, that only pay attention to us. You know, I got friends of mine who will never listen to another pastor, but to me they might listen to. You might have family members that won't listen to anybody else, but they might listen to you. You have uh, acquaintances, people you come in contact with that may never hear the gospel from anybody else, but God may have brought you into their lives for one reason and one reason only, because they need Jesus. Pastor, I don't believe that God would just take me from my favorite places and my favorite things just for one person. He did for Philip. See, we forget how valuable one soul is. We think God can only move in revivals. God can only move when there are crowds of three or four hundred people. We think God can only move when there are signs and wonders and miracles. Sometimes God moves when we just sit and listen to the questions people are asking. Oh, you're not hearing me this morning. I'm telling you, sometimes God is moving in the very moments when all people are doing are just asking questions. This eunuch didn't come to Jerusalem for a fashion show. He came because he was hungry for worship. And all he found in Jerusalem was more questions than answers. Sometimes people come to church and they leave more confused than they came. Sometimes they listen to a program on TV and they have more questions than they have answers. And the problem is, they go back to the dry, barren places of their lives with nobody to follow them. 
Because we like our joy. We like our, our places that provide. We like having God move the way we want Him to move. And when God moves us out of that blessed place to that dry place, we think it's punishment. We think it's, it's, it's some kind of a, a, some kind of a, 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 a torment. Because God moved us from the place we were having a good time to a place where we're not confused about why we are where we're at. I can tell you this, a lot of times we end up like Jonah. Here's Jonah sitting under the shade tree waiting for God to destroy Nineveh. And then when God doesn't destroy Nineveh because of God's mercy, he's all mad. Because I was doing just fine where I was. You brought me down to a ship whale, don't forget the whale, whale, and says, now, now I, I, I preach your message, but I want to see judgment, and you're giving mercy, and I just don't get you, God. A lot of times the church says, it's either my way or the highway. Either God's going to do the way we want to, or we'll just find something else to do on Sunday. We don't understand. And then you have those few people like Philip who say, I may understand God, but I'm going to obey Him because I know the consequences of disobedience. Listen, I guarantee you, it was very clear when Philip got in that chariot and looked down. I can just see Philip's eyes as he's looking down at the scriptures. And the first thing he sees is that passage in Isaiah. You know, you don't have to tell Philip too far where that's going. (laughs) Well, that may be the problem. The reason you can't help people interpret the scriptures is because you never read the Bible. You can't help anybody interpret the scriptures if you don't read the Bible. You won't know what they're talking about. Look, I don't, I don't waste my time on Sunday night and Wednesday night uh, interpreting the scriptures and teaching classes on the Bible and doing Bible study because I like the sound of my own voice. I do it because what I know I want to share with you so you can go out there and share with the world because they need Jesus. I'm not wasting my time on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I'm pouring my life into others so they can take that knowledge and take it to the world. That Jesus loves and He saves. Philip knew right away where this was going. Man, and he says from that point in the Scripture forward, he started preaching Jesus. Don't, don't Just keep turning the page. Let me just show you Jesus. Oh, let's keep going through the rest of the Old Testament. Let me show you Jesus. And when they got to the end of the book, I bet Philip told his life story. This is where I was the day I met Jesus. Then I told my buddy Nathaniel, and then God whooped him up real good, and he came a part of the group. I can, tell, I can hear in my imagination Philip telling the Ethiopian about the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on water, the demons being cast out. Everything that Jesus promised he was going to do through the prophet Isaiah, that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord was upon me. Uh, I'm telling you, everything falling into place. But you know when it really hit Philip, why he was where he was at? It's the next part of the Scripture. After he preached Jesus to it, it says, Now, they were down the road some. They were down this desert road. They were down this dry, barren, abandoned road. And yet, right off the side of this dry, abandoned, barren, desert road, 
after hearing the message of Jesus and hearing Philip talk about being baptized, what happens? Water shows up on the side of the dry, barren, dusty desert road. Uh, Now Philip knows. Now I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I know God brought me here. I know. And the Ethiopian knows too because he says, Hey, you just finished the story. You just told me I need to be baptized. He goes, Look, water. Water. See, when the Spirit of the Lord's been leading somebody and the Holy Spirit's been convicting their heart and, and they've been hungry for more of God and hungry for the reality of Jesus, then, then when they see the next step, you don't have to tell them. They dive in for it. He says, here, look. In fact, in fact, uh, the, the, uh, my Bible says, see, here is water. But, but you know what the other translation for that same word is? Behold. <laughs> Look, water. Now, you may not realize how much of a miracle that is, but that's the love of Jesus, folks. Not only to put a, to send a man from a revival, joy-filled town down a dusty old road through persecuted Jerusalem for one man to receive the gospel. That's how much Jesus loved him, and it's how much Jesus loves us. That what hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe in all your heart, you may. And he answered him and said, I believe that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. (laughs) And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So the eunuch saw him no more. And the eunuch went on his way. Confused? No. Disturbed? No. Quietly? No. The Bible says the man who came out of nowhere, who overtook my chariot, who walked up aside and declared to me the mysteries of the gospel, God brought him for me. And he took him away just as fast. Can you imagine the joy that filled the eunuch's heart? Knowing that God would do that just for him. The Bible said that the eunuch went away rejoicing. Now, you've got to go real Old Testament to get this point. But that word rejoicing is a word of worship. How many of you know that worship is an action? Now, we've got we to be clear on this. Because some people like to come in, and, and instead of worship, they like to come in and meditate. And that's fine. By the way, meditating on the Lord is not a bad thing. The Bible encourages meditation on the Lord. But when you stand still during a worship service, that's not worship, that's meditation. Worship is an action. Now, I'm not going to do this because I'm kind of heavy set and I might lose my balance and fall down. But the word rejoice is a descriptive word that defines jumping around in circles and screaming wildly. You know, like college football. That's what rejoicing means. I'm, I'm tempted to do it, you know. Because I'm, I I, I'm excited about it. You don't, you don't understand my excitement about Jesus this morning. 
He said, when this guy, this guy comes out of the water and the man who put him under the water is gone. But he's not sad. He just found Jesus. So the Ethiopian says he went away rejoicing, which means he, wasn't, he didn't jump back in the chariot and go, well, that was exciting. Well, I wish God would do that again next week. Now I can see this guy walking away rejoicing. Can you just see it? Can you use your imagination for a moment? This guy just got saved. God just sent a man clear halfway across the country for one man. And this guy is so happy, he's dancing in front of his chariot going, Woo! I love Jesus! Just, I mean, you, the people must have thought he was crazy when he got back to Ethiopia. But you don't know the message that man took to a nation that needed Jesus. Just like God put Joseph second in command under Pharaoh to save not only Egypt, but to save God's people. This man, second under the queen of Ethiopia, goes back with a life-giving message of Jesus Christ because one man in the middle of revival was obedient enough to leave to go to the dry place because God loves every individual soul. Now where does that leave you and me? Because that's the real question here. Where does that leave you and me? Because in our moment of, of life, maybe sometimes we find ourselves in the place that Philip is. Now God, I remember in Bible college, this was not in the course study. I, I don't remember where this was, this dry desert place. Lord, I was supposed to graduate from Bible college, be God's man of faith and power, and preach to thousands. God, where is, is that promise? Where, where, I don't understand, God. What have you got for me? And God says, I want you to go where I tell you to go. Because tomorrow it may be I want you to go. I'll pick a town. Conquered. And you're going to drive to Concord where you know nobody. And you're going to go to a cafe that you've never eaten at before. And you're going to sit down and at the end of the line there's going to be a person you don't know. But they've got questions and God's got answers. Where it may be that you're going down to the grocery store. And God says, instead of going on Thursday, I want you to go on Monday. Because somebody is asking the right question. And I need a faithful believer to go give them the right answer. We are where we're at today because somebody needs us. Somebody needs to hear the truth from us. Somebody that's asking questions needs to hear the right answers. They get enough wrong answers in the world. They get enough selfish answers in the world. Are you not listening to me this morning? I said they're getting enough wrong answers in the world. Enough selfish answers in the world. Enough self-righteous answers in the world. What they need to hear is the truth this morning. They need to know that Jesus loves them individually. And He died for them. And that He suffered so that they, that, that they wouldn't have to suffer like He suffered. Now people suffer all the time. But going to death on the cross for your sins is something He did for us so we wouldn't have to. 
And I want you to understand this morning, sometimes God places us in these dry, unknown, uncharted, deserted lands because He has a purpose. We don't always see the purpose. We don't always know the purpose. And sometimes we fight. Listen, I don't know. The story leaves this out, but I'm going to tell you something. It was not easy, probably, for Philip to get through Jerusalem. Now, Saul... We didn't read that part. The first four verses, uh, first three verses of chapter 8 talk about Saul going after and killing people. He's going after the church. Philip has to go back through Jerusalem to get down to Gaza. This is not easy. He just lost his friend Stephen in Jerusalem just right before that. And now he's got to go right back into the thick of the fire. For one man. For one man. But you know what the beautiful thing about that is? God would do that for you. God did that for me. So glad you joined us today, but you really should visit in person. Service times are at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 p.m. on Sunday night, and 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. We're located at 582 Rockingham Road. It's on Highway 5 across from Everyday Inn in Bells Falls. You can also visit our website www.faithchristianag.com God bless you. Have a great day.